Hey, welcome to the Shawnee Mac Show. My name is Shawnee Mac. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Remember last night we had all that fun? We teased there at church a little for canceling a concert to go to the Final Four. Then we had a little fun with Jen Psaki for leaving the White House to go to MSNBC. And we talked about the big Amazon Union win. <laughs> Remember how much fun that was? It was so fun. I wonder if we have a story like that tonight. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is about to enter day 41, while global outrage is growing over unimaginable atrocities against civilians that have been reported in a town just outside Kiev. Oh boy, okay, yeah, not going to be so fun. As the brutal Russian invasion and occupation of Ukraine rolls on now into its sixth week, a terrible situation continues to unfold on the ground in that country as the West faces one policy conundrum after another, not the least of which began last Saturday in Brussels, when President Biden got all hopped up on his hyperjuice and went off prompter. And Putin has the audacity, like all our autocrats before him, to believe that might will make right. There's simply no justification or provocation for Russia's choice of war. It's an example of one of the oldest human impulses, using brute force and disinformation to satisfy a craving for absolute power and control. It's nothing less than a direct challenge to the rule-based international order established since the end of World War II. It is Vladimir Putin who is to blame, period. Don't even think about moving on one single inch of NATO territory. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia, for free people refuse to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principles, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Whoa, 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 Grandpa. Did you just go off the cuff to casually call for regime change? You know you're not some idiot with a podcast, right? That's me. That's my job. You're the president. When you say something, it really, really matters. Now, I would love for him to be out of power, too. Most people in the West would. But if you're openly calling for that, that would mean you have to do something to make it happen. And not for nothing, having an American president insist that someone else's leader has got to go doesn't always go great for those other people. If you don't believe me, just ask the people of Afghanistan, or Iraq, or Iran, or Libya, or Cuba, or Venezuela, or Nicaragua, or you know what, let's just take a break from insisting people should be out of power for a while. Can we? Like, I would love for Colin Jost to be out of power. Why does he get to co-anchor Weekend Update or be married to Scarlett Johansson or have those soft eyes that just draw you in with that perfect jawline that just won't quit? Okay, I guess I answered the first two questions there, but the point is, am I calling for regime change for Colin Jost? Yes, yes I am. You can't have it all, Colin. You've got to give up something. What are we talking about? Oh, that's right. The utter depths of human depravity. As the Ukrainians have driven the Russians out of the area around Kiev, 
first-person accounts, video, and satellite images purport to show a horrific atrocity. Upwards of 300 Ukrainian civilians in the Kiev suburb of Vuka are estimated to be dead at the hands of Russian soldiers. In an action, global human rights groups are calling a war crime. Again, that's the language of human rights groups. If it were to come from a Western leader, it would carry real weight and suggest real-world action. So, I guess it's a good thing President Biden didn't have a press availability yesterday, right? I sure hope he didn't just walk over to a pool of reporters and follow you gotta be kidding me. You may remember I got criticized for calling Putin a war criminal. Well, the truth of the matter, you saw what happened to Vukic. This warrants him, he is a war criminal. But we have to gather the information. We have to continue to provide Ukraine with the weapons they need to continue the fight. And we have to gather all the detail so this can be an actual have a war crime trial. This guy is brutal. And what's happening in Bukha is outrageous. And everyone's seen it. Up to Allah. No, I think it is a war crime. Within 10 days, the president has openly floated regime change in Russia and called for Vladimir Putin to be tried in The Hague. I mean, I guess it is slightly better than him calling him a little rocket man on Twitter. But at least we know Vladimir Putin is someone who doesn't overreact to threats. Now, as I mentioned, the Russians have mostly abandoned Kiev and relocated much of their army to the Donbass region in the east to reinforce the fight over the two separatist republics there and to Crimea in the south, which Russia, of course, annexed back in 2014. As David Leonhardt laid out in today's New York Times morning, assuming military intervention is off the table, and for about another hour I'm going to assume it's off the table, the only two deterrent options we have left are the same ones we've always had, weapons and sanctions. Now, President Zelensky has been asking everyone, from the Israeli Neset to the U.S. Congress to the audience at the Grammys, for a lot more weapons. And we have sent a bunch of weapons over there. But analysts say there are a couple complications with sending even more. One of which is they would help Ukraine on the margins. But the likelihood of a Ukrainian victory here is still extremely low. And more weapons would contribute to more horrible fighting with no tangible positive result. The other complication is continued armament coupled with the increasingly heated rhetoric we've discussed President Biden will surely be seen by Russia as a further escalation by the West, which would, of course, make things a lot more dangerous than they are right now. And on the sanctions front, tighter sanctions are being called for, including by President Biden and some leaders within the EU. But other members of the EU are saying that they are pretty much maxed out on sanctions because their energy costs are soaring with the loss of Russian oil and gas. So we clearly have only two viable deterrent options here. Full-on military intervention, which, dear God, please don't let us have that. Or a negotiated peace agreement. Now the peace deal doesn't look great right now. Representatives from Ukraine and Russia met a lot last week in Turkey and came away with the general framework of some sort of deal which looked like it might get done at some point. But after the weekend, the talks have gone completely cold. 
So the West is in quite a tough spot right now, policy-wise. And the Western media has covered this in a way that can lose sight of the geopolitical view. Now, you can either acknowledge the horrific nature of what's happening on the ground, but continue to encourage an end to this conflict through negotiation, or you can very understandably get caught up in the emotion of the horrible things you're witnessing and insist American lives be put on the line to stop it. MSNBC's Ali Velshi did the second one over the weekend. The global world order and potentially democracy's survival hang in the balance. If this isn't the kind of moment that the United Nations and NATO and the UN and the G20 and the Council of Europe and the G7 were made for, what is the point of these alliances if not to stop this? The world cannot sit by as Vladimir Putin continues this reign of terror. Ali Velshi has been in situations I will never be in. He's seen things I will never see. I understand, genuinely, I do, the impulse to insist that someone put a stop to what you're seeing on the ground. But what Velshi's calling for there is a full-on military conflict with a nuclear-armed nation. When he made a similar point on Twitter over the weekend, independent journalist Aaron Mate said as much and asked him straight out what he was calling for. In response, Velshi tweeted, quote, direct military involvement. Now, to his genuine credit, Ali Velshi is putting all his cards right out there on the table about where he stands on military intervention. Now, he is only one journalist at one cable network here in the U.S. who is witnessing horrible things and wants them to stop, as we all want them to stop. The problem is, I'm afraid he's only the first one to say that part out loud, but he will not be the last. The responsibility for and care of the lives and families of American service members is in the hands of American policymakers. Most of all, the president. And my biggest fear right now is that the march in Washington and on television is only headed in one direction. Away from negotiation and toward escalation. And that is the absolute last thing any of us should want. That's our show. Thank you so much for being with us. We're back tomorrow night with an all new episode and we hope to see you then. Good night. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Be sure you hit the bell so you'll get notified as soon as our show drops and you'll never miss any of our videos. You can also follow and download the show on all the major podcast apps. Please don't forget to rate and review us. And if you like what we're doing here, just tell your family and friends about us. You can tell your grandparents it's like a really short Johnny Carson, just without Ed and the band. And Johnny. Or tell your kids it's like a really long TikTok.